Happy New Year, Crosspoint. 2017, only 357 shopping days until Christmas. Hey, this year I want to talk about hope. Hope for a new year. God's gift of hope for you. And I want to start this message with a New Year's prayer from someone very, very special. The Apostle Paul himself. You can read this prayer in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. He says, this is my prayer. It's a prayer for you. It's a prayer for God's church that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the all-righteous Father, will give you a prayer for three things. Number one, spiritual wisdom. Number two, insight to know more of Him, that you may receive that. Number three, inner illumination of the Spirit, which will make you realize how great is the... What's the next word? Say it with me. Hope to which He is calling you. We, uh, we just saw some resolutions. Some were fulfilled, some weren't fulfilled. But you know what? I don't want anyone to go another day without hope. If you don't have hope this morning, today is your day. This is the year to fulfill your resolution. Uh, We saw some people looking back. At the end of our message this morning, Scott, don't lead our closing prayer immediately because we prepared, Robert's prepared, uh, maybe with the help of some others, I'm not sure, a video of looking back. It's about a 15-minute video, but I want you to look to the future. But I want us to look back before we leave together this morning, all right? If you've got to take off, I understand But don't leave the closing prayer until you watch the video at the end. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to see a lot of neat things that this church is involved in. But you've got to have hope for the future to do that. Otherwise, you're going to get discouraged. Do you remember the line in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Clarence, uh, the angel second class, gets this assignment, and the superior says, You've got to help George Bailey. And, and Clarence says, why? Is he sick? And he says, no, it's much worse. He's discouraged. Ooh, discouragement. It's worse oftentimes than physical illness. You've got to have hope. And you may be here this morning, and you're discouraged. You're, some of you may have lost a job or may be facing the loss of a job. And you're discouraged. Some of you um, may be facing illness and sickness and, and financial issues. And you're discouraged. God wants to give you hope. Because without hope, you give up and you quit. And you die. Literally. I want to read a true story. Major Harold Kushner. He was a POW in Vietnam. He talks about the devastating effects of hopelessness on human beings. He, he's seen it firsthand. He describes one 24-year-old Marine in the same POW camp with him. And uh, he says, this Marine decided to cooperate with the Viet Cong. He says, listen, I will do my best to cooperate with you. I will obey. I will follow your orders if you promise to let me go. And they said, okay, yeah, we promise. Like, Really? But he believed it. He bought into it. 
And so he was a model prisoner. But after a while, it became clear that they were lying to him and they had no intentions of letting him go. When that realization took hold, this is how Major Kirshner described what happened to him next. He became a zombie. He refused to do any work. And he rejected all offers of food and encouragement. He simply lay on his cot, sucking his thumb, and in a matter of weeks, he was dead. You know, doctors actually coined a term for this in World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. They called it give up-itis. And that's when you look to the future and you see there's absolutely no hope and you lose the will to live and you literally die. Well, you've got to have hope to cope. We're facing 2017. I don't know what it's going to bring, but I, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some good things that happen to you this year. I'm sure there's going to be some bad things that happen to you this year. But here's what I know. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the one above. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, who will be with us throughout the year if we keep him close to our heart. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, When hope is crushed, the heart is also crushed. You don't want that. Our God is a God of hope. How do I know that? Because 95 references to hope are found in the Old Testament. 85 references in the New Testament. So let's start our new year, 2017, with hope. And I'm not talking about wishful thinking. You know, I'm not talking about blind optimism, pretending that everything's okay when you know it's really not. Those are really poor substitutes for hope. I saw a sign, read, lost dog with three legs. Blind in left eye, missing right ear, broken tail, and recently castrated. Answers to the name Lucky. (laughs) That dog may be a lot of things, but that dog's not Lucky, all right? You can call him Lucky all day long, but it just doesn't fit. That's not the kind of hope that we're talking about. That's blind hope, wishful hope, whatever you want to call it. I'm talking about biblical hope. And I want you to look at biblical hope with me up here on the screen. Let's take a look at this. For most people, hope is something they do. But the Bible talks about hope as something we can have. I have hope right now. Don't you? If I were to, if my heart was to stop beating right now, and I fell to the ground, and I died. Don't feel bad for me, all right? I mean, you might be shocked. Oh, what a bummer, man. The guy didn't finish his sermon. Could you cut his paycheck? He didn't finish it. But don't feel bad for me because I know where I'm going. I've got that assurance. i got that hope. That's why I can't quit. See, when I get discouraged, I want to give up, and I want to quit this thing called Christianity, and just say, oh, it's not worth it, everything's not... These things that I've been praying about for years are not working out, God. I can't quit because I know too much to quit. I, I, I know too much to not... I cannot unring the bell. I cannot start a life of unbelief. And so, hope is the confident expectation that God is willing 
and able to fulfill His promise to us. And what's the ultimate promise, folks? The resurrection. Peter talks about this. The resurrection and hope are linked together. 1 Peter 1, 4. In God's great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through what? The resurrection. I believe in that thing. I believe I'm going to rise from the dead one day because Jesus rose from the dead one day. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope. Hope where? In the resurrection as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. And so our hope is as only as good as what it's anchored to. My hope is anchored to two things. God and the resurrection. God and the resurrection. Why do Christians have hope? Number one. Number one. We have hope because we're absolved of the past. Some of you are thinking, well, you know what? My past. I got a checkered past. Jesus met all kinds of people when he was here on earth that had checkered pasts. And he says, I can, I can fix that. No, but Jesus, you don't know how bad I've been. I can fix that. I'm going to do this cross thing. Remember, baby Jesus became cross Jesus. He says, don't worry about it. I can take care of your past. Lamentations 3.21. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Why? What, what, what is it you're calling to mind? Because the Lord's great love. Two things. God loves me, and we're not consumed. And number two, His compassion never fails. He loves me, and He has compassion on me. How often is He loving and compassionate? These compassions, this love is new every single morning. Every single minute of my life. We can have hope as Christians even though we fail. And we all fail. Right? Who hasn't failed God? I I don't even keep my own standards. Much less God's standards. How about you? I mean, we failed our spouses. We failed our children. You know, but the cool thing is, we can still have hope even now when we fail. Why? Because His compassions are new every morning. New Year's is a perfect time to put your hope in God. Don't lug guilt around all year. Paul told Timothy, now there's going to be some rich people in your church, and they're going to have a tendency, Timothy, to put their trust in their wealth. Tell them, don't do that. Well, he says it like this. 1 Timothy 6.17, Command those who are rich not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Why? Because God's certain. Wealth, uncertain. God, certain. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So if your hope... If your self-esteem, if your security is in the almighty dollar, then you are in big trouble when the dollar crashes. Right? And I don't know if you've been hearing about this, but I think it's going to happen someday. I don't know when, but when it does, if that's where your hope is, you're in for a big letdown. And so I suggest let God be your anchor. Let God be your security. Let God be your self-esteem. So, we have hope because we're absolved of our past. 
Number two, we have hope because we are assured of the future. Oh, this is so cool. Let me read the end of the book. I've read the book. Okay, first page, bad news, better news, good news. Last page. (laughs) We win! All right? I've read the book. We win. The book says we win. We have hope. That gives me hope. We got a book that tells how it all ends. But you know, there there is one out of every six Americans that have no hope. They haven't read the book. And if they have read the book, they don't believe the book. And so they believe when they die, they are dead all over, just like Rover. And it's no wonder that we have so much hopelessness in our country today. Now, there are some people that go to wishful thinking. You know, maybe I'll be reincarnated. I, I've never bought into that reincarnation thing. I just, I know, I know there are people that believe in that, and they're strongly believe in that. And I go, well, what are you going to come back as? You know, I don't know. Well, it just depends. You start off as like maybe a single-cell amoeba, and then you move up to a bug, and someone steps on you, and then you move up to something else, maybe a cat, and you live in the hills, and a coyote eats you. I don't know. I mean, I never bought into that stuff. But some people do. It's hope, but it's pretty lousy if you ask me. Then there's that blind optimism thing that says, well, maybe by the time I get ready to die, they'll find a cure. Or there's that ambitious dream. I think Tony talked a little bit about resolutions this year. You know, I'll lose 30 pounds. I'll cut my cholesterol. That'll give me hope. But you know what? Even if you do all those things, you take your vitamins every day, one day your body will break down and you will die. You know what the statistics are on that? That's like 100%. I've read the statistics. 100% of people someday die. Isn't that amazing? It is. A number of years ago, a computer salesman by the name of Jeff got on a United Airlines flight to Chicago when all of a sudden there was a big bang. It's a three-engine jet he was on. The tail part you know how the engines are in the tail like in the dc 9 10 they have boom it exploded knocked out the hydraulic system in effect crippling the airplane's ability to navigate ailerons are out elevators out no up and down no rudder they were just good thing they were flying straight and level They made an emergency landing in Sioux City, Iowa. They made a movie of this, by the way. (laughs) And but they had to make some navigation. How do you fly without, you know, today it's fly by wire, but back then the the whole hydraulic days, you, you you needed hydraulic fluid to fly. But they had two good engines. And so they came up with this idea. We'll lower the throttle. But we need to make a left turn on this one, and we'll raise the throttle on this one. And the plane began to turn, and they would do that. And they did it to the best of their ability till they were lined up to the runway, and then they started throttling back. They only had one chance, guys. One chance. And here comes the plane flying in. A reporter asked Jeff what was it like being on that plane. Jeff was one of the survivors. Not everyone, but one of them. He said, some people were so scared, they were shaking, 
and weeping uncontrollably. No hope. Other people, on the other hand, had this blind optimism saying, it's going to be okay, it's, everything's going to be all right, even though they had no power to affect the outcome. Jeff was a Christian. He was a believer. He had hope. He prayed a simple prayer. He said, thank you, Lord, that you are mine and I am yours. God, I want to live. I really do. But if I don't, I know I'll be with you. Isn't that good? I'm, I'm, I like to fly. I've often wanted, I mean, statistically, you're going to be killed by something other than flying, right? And so I don't worry that much about it. But I thought, well, what if the pilot said, you get like two minutes to live? You know, what would I do? I would just be thanking the Lord. I would not be, pan- I don't believe I would be. I was on a bus one year coming back from church camp when I was 12 years old that almost went off a cliff and people were screaming and yelling and crying and I thought it was cool I got there's a seat here and a seat here I stood up and I thought man this is like a skateboard this is cool and I was pretty stupid but I later met the bus driver years later I'm, I'm, I'm talking like 30 years later remember the Jaegers his dad's 90th birthday, I went to that birthday party. I happened to be sitting at a table with a guy. I go, well, what do you do? He lived at Lake Isabella. He says, well, I'm a retired truck driver. And um, uh, I, I said, um, where, where did you uh, go to church? The Bell Gardens Church of Christ. And I go, well, you know, we used to go to church camp at Bell Gardens Church of Christ. Um, the, the bus, there was a bus driver that took us up the mountain every year. And I remember one year we were coming back home, and I don't know what happened to the bus. Something happened. I guess, I guess it was pretty dangerous, but I didn't think about it at the time. And uh, I remember having a lot of fun on that. And he goes, that was you? <laughs> and I went, you were the bus driver? <laughs> he goes, that was me. He says, you kids had no idea how close we were to death. Somehow, someway, miraculously, he got that bus stopped. And our lives were saved. Planes coming in for a crash landing. Lord, I want to live. But even if I don't, I know I'll be with you. It did crash land. It exploded into flames, breaking into several pieces. He said, my section broke off into a cornfield. And I found myself hanging upside down in my seat and not a mark on me. How'd you feel knowing the plane was about to crash? The reporter said, I, I was scared, but I was also hopeful that if I died, I would be in heaven with God forever and that God would take care of my family. Oh, isn't that good to have that kind of hope? There were other people on that plane, fearful, panicky, no hope, oh... God, if there is a God, you know. I love the psalmist. He writes in Psalm 146.5. Look at it here. Blessed is he whose hope is where? In the Lord. Not the pilot, not the bus driver, but in the Lord. How we face death says a whole lot about how we face life. 
I said a couple of weeks ago, you're not really ready to live until you're ready to die. So here's my question. As we face a new year, 2017, why would you want to spend another 365 days wondering where you're going to spend eternity? Titus 3, 5 and 7 says, God saved us in His mercy. Not by virtue of any moral achievement of ours. We are acquitted by His grace and can look forward in hope to entering or inheriting eternal life. Where do we get that kind of hope? How do you get absolved of your past? How do you get assured of your future? Let me tell you a story about a little eight-year-old girl. After church one day, her and her father went into the church bookstore. A lot of churches now have bookstores where they sell things. And they were shopping around, and the little girl broke off from her dad. And she was going down an aisle, and she saw a book that she wanted, and it cost $5. But she didn't have $5. And she looked this way, and she looked that way, and she took the book and put it under her coat, and she walked out of the bookstore. Well, when her father discovered what she had done, she sent his eight-year-old daughter to see the preacher. And so she's now in the preacher's office. And in comes the preacher. And the preacher said, tell me what happened. And she went through the story. I was in the bookstore. I saw the book. I didn't have any money, but I really wanted it. So I tucked it under my coat. And at this point, she begins to cry. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. Tears would be another fit. It's going to cost you $20 for the book. Would that be fair? And she thought about it. She said, yes, that would be fair. And then she says, oh, no. I'm in the weeds. Why? Well, I don't have any money. That's why I stole it in the first place. She was in bad shape here. I don't know what I'm going to do, she said. Well, the preacher says, well, here's what I'm going to do. He could see the look of hopelessness in her eyes. Because I love you, I'm going to pay your penalty. And he took out his checkbook and he wrote a check for $20. And he gave it to her. And he says, but remember, Jesus also loves you. And let this $20 payment for your penalty, remember, that's just a little taste of what Jesus has already done for you when he paid your fine on the cross. And here's the best part. The little girl took the gift. She took the check and paid the penalty. See, salvation's a free gift. You can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't pay for it. But even a gift has to be what? Received. There's a whole lot of people who hear this message, this new year, where God is going to give you a, a, a blank check, a fresh start, absolved of your past, future taken care of, but you won't receive the gift. Why not? Why not start this new year off right? First day of a new year, a brand new month. If you don't know Jesus, today's your day to get to know him. I understand there's a group of people that are going to be going over to Keith and Jan Doolittle's house today because Keith turned his jacuzzi on this morning. I guess some people decided to get baptized. Isn't that cool? I don't know who they are. I think Mike's taking care of this, but there may be some 
people in here today that say, well, you know, today's my day too. I'm going to receive this first day of a new year. Someone said, where were you baptized? January 1st, 2017. How do you know that? It's a brand new year, brand new day. Easy to remember. Today could be your day. If you want it to be, it's a new year. There's no guarantee of tomorrow. Somebody said, well, I'll make it the second. I can remember the second. I can make it next week. I can do it. You know, it's kind of cold today. You know what? Forget that. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. I want to give you a chance to go into 2017 absolved of your past, assured of your future. Receive the gift today. Let's pray about it right now. Some of you just need to say, God, I'm a whole lot like that little girl. I've done things that I know were wrong, and I know I should be held accountable for them. I know you're a perfect God, and I'm not. But I also know that your son died on a cross for me some 2,000 years ago as a substitute, sort of as a blank check, sort of as a payment for my sins, all the sins I committed. Right now, even as I repent and turn away from my sins, I reach out to Jesus. Like that little girl reached out to receive that check, I receive Jesus, His gift of forgiveness for me so I can have eternal life. Thank you for giving me this ultimate gift of hope. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.